Welcome into Running for the Roses. We are through week one. It was a glorious five-day college football extravaganza. It started on Thursday, the the, uh, the backyard brawl. It uh, came to a conclusion uh, with Clemson and Georgia Tech on Monday. It was a glorious return to football. We are back, Lucas. Uh, how are you, my friend? And, and how was the experience uh, of week one for you? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, I went out to go watch the, the backyard brawl. I was back home in Wisconsin visiting just some friends and family. Was out, watched that game. And it was right next to the Purdue-Penn State game, which was also an awesome game as well. Um, it was just great. Week one was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I knew we had kind of the big matchups, you know, later on Saturday, but all in all, every day had something that was fun to watch. Um, and some interesting storylines that we now get to talk about, which is amazing. Yeah. You and I were both talking about before we started to, you know, record tonight. It's just nice to talk about games. We mentioned it during conference preview season. Like, it's just nice to talk about um games it's nice to talk have actual uh action to uh you know react to and in our case overreact to here uh it's always fun to do after week one so literal uh, a little run of show for the pod tonight we will do uh, our weekly roses celebrating the best in week one of college football here first uh lucas and i both have some overreactions to week one action that we will go through uh, then we'll kind of go through the conferences quickly and, and give our thoughts and some takeaways on maybe some of the lesser profile games of the of the opening weekend. We'll look ahead to week two, a little lighter on the schedule, but obviously Alabama, Texas coming up. That's a big one. Um, we got the uh, El Asico, Iowa State, Iowa, like just it's going <laughs> to be a barn burner. Extra assy this uh, going to be a barn burner, baby. Um, and then we'll close out the uh, the pod by giving our weekly picks uh, as usual. And thanks to Lucas Rohde, we are still over 500 for the uh, the season. Uh, so, Lucas, we'll start with our weekly roses. Speaking of El Asico, speaking of Iowa, I texted this to you and I meant it. I said after the Iowa San uh, South Dakota State game. I said, I'm going to give my rose to the Iowa punter for keeping them in the game. His name is Troy. I'm sorry, Tory Taylor, 10 punts, 479 yards of punting, averaging almost 48 yards a punt. He had seven punts inside the 20 yard line, four punts of 50 plus yards, including a 57 yarder. And Iowa State wins one of, I'm sorry, Iowa wins one of the most bizarre games of the weekend, seven to three, in which neither team scored a touchdown. Iowa got a field goal and two safeties. Um, if you were coming into the 2022 season thinking, man, maybe Iowa's going to revamp its offense, maybe Spencer Petras is going to take that next step, they're going to be a force in the Big Ten West, you probably didn't leave that game thinking the same thing. So I gave my uh, my weekly rose to Tory Taylor, the Iowa punter who had a a, uh, a Heisman like performance in Week One for the uh, for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, that game was. Uh, I didn't really watch a whole lot of it just because there wasn't really a whole much to watch. Um, I did think one thing that was funny that I heard on a, another podcast that I listened to the the Solid Verbal, which is a great college football podcast. If you ever need to listen to one. Um, they called, I think it was Dan Rubenstein called 
what Iowa did. Uh, uh, a field goal and two safeties as a gentleman's touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I could not get it out of my head. College football um, is is insane because Iowa, South Dakota State, and North Dakota apps or um, North Carolina Appalachian State is the same game. Yes. I mean, the, the, it's sixty minutes, four fifteen minute quarters, two teams, eleven guys. I mean, it's the same game. North Carolina beats Appalachian State sixty one sixty three. Iowa beats South Dakota State seven to three. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. <laughs> it's just... All right, your uh, your weekly rose, sir. My weekly rose. I've decided to give it. Originally, it was going to get go out to uh, to Anthony Richardson with uh, with Florida. However, I changed my mind last minute, and I'm actually giving it to Kirby Smart, uh, the head coach of Georgia, mainly for just his plain old honesty because they absolutely uh, kicked the crap out of Oregon. That game was not close from the onset. It looked like teams two playing basically two different sports um, on that team, and you know, obviously. Uh, Kirby Smart wanted to talk up Dan Lanning, the head coach for Oregon. That was his defensive coordinator last year when they won the defense or when they won the national championship. And basically, I'm paraphrasing this, but he basically was quoted as, you know, Dan Lanning's going to get that team going. He's going to have them in a good, uh, great direction. They're going to compete for titles, everything like that. Today was not his fault. We just had way better players, as in Georgia. Very and, rarely uh, do you hear a coach be that honest, by the way, in the post-game yes. press conference. Very and rarely. You'll have, like, Georgia play, like, Georgia um, like Georgia State and beat them 72 to nothing, and they'll be like, you know, we played hard. We still got stuff to clean up. And it's just really refreshing to hear a head coach be like, yeah, we just had much better players than our other right. opponents. Um, so that's why I'm giving my rose to Kirby Smart. All right, so week one is is full of everyone overreacts to everything. Iowa's not going to score an offensive touchdown. The Pac-12 sucks. USC is the best team in the conference. I mean, whatever you want. So Lucas and I, this was this was Lucas's idea, and it's it's a good one. We're going to give some some week one overreactions, some some takeaways from week one, but but takeaways that are probably a little bit a little bit too far here. So I will let Lucas go first. Uh, so you can you can kind of give us your first overreaction, and we'll kind of branch off some uh, discussion points uh, from these going over some yeah, yeah. Action. So, so go ahead. So this is actually a great segue because I just brought up Kirby Smart in Georgia. They obviously look really, really impressive against, excuse me, against Oregon this past weekend. I, and then on the other side of the SEC, you also had Alabama played Utah state won fifty five to nothing. Um, my overreaction is, I mean, is it, is it going to be too easy this year? Should we just pencil these two in? for the national championship for the second straight year. Yeah, that's a popular one, right? Um, week, <laughs> week one's always so tough, right? Because, you know, Georgia beats Clemson last year in Charlotte. It's like, wow, what a great win. And then it, you, you kind of realize it's a down year for Clemson. Alabama then beats Georgia in the uh, SEC title game. Um, I candidly got this game completely wrong. I thought that Oregon would be able to do to Georgia what Notre Dame kind of did to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Keep it close, compete on the lines of scrimmage. I thought Georgia's offense would take a step back, and I was completely wrong. Uh, Stetson Bennett was awesome. The receivers were good. Didn't run the ball great, um, and the defense is going to be great. Um, I 
came away from week one thinking, I don't think Georgia or Alabama lose in the regular season. Obviously, they will play in the SEC title game. Um, One of them will lose. But it's hard for me to see some losses. Truly, it truly is. Yeah, and I think that was I think that was shocking thing with on Georgia's side. We knew we kind of knew Alabama coming in. They returned a lot of production from a team that went to the national title last year. Where Georgia, especially on the defensive side of the ball, completely new slate, pretty much. Even though they did return Jalen Carter, I think the most shocking thing with Georgia was how how well they played on offense. I mean. That was a team that looks like that they potentially could win a shootout if they had to, which typically now in college football, if you want to win a national title, you probably have to win one or two shootouts each year. And that was the best Georgia's offense has looked like in years. Now it's one game. I don't know really how great Oregon is. They look like they're still figuring a lot of things out with a new head coach and a new coaching staff. But man, they, they looked really impressive. I came the same way. I'm just like, who's going to beat them? Is it? You know, Florida, maybe on their schedule. <laughs> we'll, well see. Because now uh, you have to figure out, like, not only do you have to, like, you have to score with them now. Like, yes. Like, it's it's not like Georgia's going to beat you 20 to 13 now. Like, Georgia can score. Yes. And they took down a team that, like I said, Oregon, still pretty good. This team I've played for the Pac-12 title game. And they made them look like their, you know, big South opponent that they're going to play in week 11. Like, they just absolutely pummeled them uh made me much more scared of georgia than i kind of already was and alabama it was just it just felt like it was like business like once again they were not playing a bad team utah state won the mountain west last year won 11 games and brought back a sizable amount of guys on that team and i believe they had less than 200 total yards um so just very very business like bryce young like clockwork through five touchdown passes on only like 20 uh, 20 passes um, so it's hard for me to argue. I mean, they, they were both one and two in the AP poll this week, and I don't necessarily know if I'll see that changing. It's definitely not going to change this week. I don't think for Alabama, but we'll get to that game in a little bit. All right. My first overreaction is, uh, Brian Kelly's not going to work out at LSU. Um, here's <laughs> the thing. There are, there are, <laughs> there are three kinds of losses in college football. There's a loss where you have significantly less talent than your opponent. Think, Clemson over Georgia Tech on Monday, right? Georgia Tech kept it close for a while. In the end, you know, the, the levees broke, the floodgates opened, and Clemson won the game by 31 points and covered. Then there's the loss where it's it's a back-and-forth game. It's a, it's a competitive game. It's two teams at the same level, and you just get beat. Think Florida and Utah. It was a fun game. Utah could have easily won that game. Two well-coached teams got beat. Then there's the loss where you're the better team and you just do not look prepared to play. You don't look engaged. You don't look well coached. You make too many mental errors. And that seemed to me like it was LSU Florida State, where, you know, LSU was a disaster on special teams. I thought the offensive game plan was not very good. They knew they had a, a not a poor offensive line, but they knew the offensive line was going to be a concern all camp. Not like it's not like you lost two guys on the first series of the game and you had to adjust. Yeah. Like you knew what this offensive line was. And yet, you didn't seem like you tried to call an offense around it. You didn't call a lot of bubble screens. You didn't call a lot of draws or RPOs. They didn't get it. They didn't get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, right? I mean, you had the terrible targeting call with with Ali Gay taking a cheap shot on Jordan Travis. 
Uh, Kayshawn Butte looked like he was going half speed the whole time. It's just, and every time they turned, every like they showed Brian Kelly probably two dozen times, and I swear every time he looked like a deer in headlights. At one point in the in, in the game, the broadcast showed like a split screen, Mike Norvell and and Brian Kelly. Mike Norvell's running up the sideline. He's talking on the headset. He's clapping. Brian Kelly's just standing there staring. And I'm sorry, but like I get it. It's the first game. It's you got to change the culture and all of that. You don't pay your coach $10 million to have big performances like that. Yeah. You don't. LSU in the 24-17 talent rankings, which takes transfer rankings and recruiting rankings, basically it's it spits out who are the most talented teams by star rating in the country. LSU's eighth. I get it. You have issues with your culture. You're one of the top ten most talented teams in the country, and you're probably not going to get to eight wins now. So it's an overreaction. You know, Nick Saban lost to ULM. Les Miles lost in his first year to a, a G5 team. You know, Coach, you know, Ed Orgeron oh, lost, lost to Troy. They lost to Troy a couple of years later, won a championship. But I think everything of the Brian Kelly detractors, they had a field day on Sunday. Oh. And then calling out players after the game. Kayshawn Booty scrubs LSU from his Instagram. <laughs> I mean, if you were a Brian Kelly detractor, and, and we know a few, they were in heaven Sunday and Monday. Oh, I think the first thing I pulled up on my ESPN app. Gee, uh, really whoops. tasty stuff out there. The crunch, the Uh-oh. Sorry, my ESPN just decided to auto-launch just an app. I hate this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, the first thing I do when I pop up my ESPN app is not get an ad, um, but uh, was uh, Paul Feinbaum basically spouting off like, this is really what else you paid $10 million a year for? And you knew it was going to happen. Um, this was the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest high-profiled hire um, in college football last year, even outside, even outside Lincoln. of uh, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley. Riley going to USC. And you know the spotlight you were playing, you know, a Florida State team that was looking to make a statement in year three under Mike Norvell that the end of last season wasn't a fluke. So, yeah, it, it doesn't look great, especially you hit on, like, the Keishon Butte. If he's only getting two catches a game, you should almost be fired immediately um, just by how talented it is. But to me, this was just this just looked like a team that was trying to put a lot of stuff together in their first game. You talk about, like, to me, Jaden Daniels did not look very good, especially in the first half. Um, but then kind of brought it together, I thought, towards the end of the game. Ended up having over 200 yards passing, 100 yards uh, on the ground. Um, I think started to click a little bit. I mean, they were down 17 to three. They came back and they basically had special teams miscues. I think they can clean that up. I, I don't see this as an alarm to me. This is kind of what I expected for a new head coach, a bunch of new players and kind of a team that probably half of it's probably bought in. The other half is still kind of on the fence with Brian Kelly. So I'm not. I'm interested to see what they look like the rest of the year, especially after they lost a game like this. But I think this is just uh, kind of a bump for them as they uh, get used to a, a new regime. Yeah. All right. Your next overreaction. My next overreaction. Uh, North Carolina. We touched on this game earlier. We'll have <laughs> the best offense and the worst defense in the ACC. Man. <laughs> First of all, I think Drake May is legit. Drake May looks really yes. good. Yes. And they're doing, they did what they did on Saturday without Josh Downs, who was out in that game. They scored 63 points. 
I don't. I mean, you fire Jay Bateman, you bring in Gene Chizik. They have talent on that defense, mm-hmm. and they have recruited well. And you give up sixty-one to App State. App State probably should have won that game. Yes. They had two two-point conversions that they were so close to getting didn't didn't end up hitting them. Um, they were close to send the game to overtime. I think that's a I think that's an interesting one. Um, I don't know about the worst defense in the league. There are some bad ones. I'm looking at you, Louisville. Um, but <laughs> that's an that game in a little bit. That's an interesting one. Go ahead. Um, no, that. I think it could be true. I mean, they gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter and yet still won. Um, and you mentioned like the, 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 the missed two point conversions. One of them, Chase Bryce just threw over his guy, his receiver's hat was wide open. Um, but to me, it's just, my thing is just like, I just don't get how you're that undisciplined late in games. Like at that point in the game, you're just playing prevent, especially with under 20 seconds left and they need a touchdown in order to tie and yet you're still giving up and also like the special teams like why are you returning that for a touchdown when app state only has one timeout left um when you have not been able to stop them this entire quarter it was just a lot um that to me is a little bit more worrisome it just feels like a, a very undisciplined team which look they've gotten used to this app state's a good team but they're still a group of five team I have no idea what North Carolina is going to look like when they play their first Power Five opponent in two weeks or in uh, in uh, in two weeks, which is Notre Dame, by the way. Um, after Georgia State, don't they have five. another? Don't, I was going to say, don't they have another Group of Five road game this week? Yes, they're in Atlanta to play Georgia State. Awesome this week. <laughs> oh man! But, All right, no. I don't know if it's an overreaction, but this defense, I don't know. Uh, we talked about it on our AC preview. We didn't think their defense could get, would only get better because it couldn't get any worse. Well, it's been pretty much worse these first two games, but we'll see. It's still early. UNC overs continue to be a principal bet for me. It's 2-0 and so far. <laughs> well, 1-0 betting-wise, but 2-0 and so far uh, for North Carolina. All right, so kind of going off of that, one of my overreactions um, is I think the ACC could be the worst Power 5 conference. Um, when we look, it was not a banner week for the ACC, right? You uh, you had Virginia Tech lose on the road to Old Dominion. NC State should have lost on the road to East Carolina. East Carolina missed an extra point to tie the game and then like a 41-yard field goal to win it as time expired. They also got a block, a punt blocked yeah. in that game or a muff punt, yeah. Rutgers goes on the road without their starting quarterback and beats Boston College. <laughs> Louisville gets throttled by Syracuse 31 to seven Virginia beats Richmond by 17. Uh, and I thought Clemson for most of that game against Georgia tech looked very pedestrian. So, I mean, we thought maybe this is NC state's year, right? They, maybe this is the year they unseat Clemson or what is North Carolina going to be with all these good recruits. And I, I, I think it's just a, it's just a lot of mediocre football and, and Clemson, I think could have an issue with, with DJ and with the whole offensive staff, yeah. you know, I mean, they promoted two coordinators from within. They, I mean, we're starting to see some cracks in the Clemson program. And again, could be an overreaction. Clemson could run the table, go 11 to one and, and win the championship. Who knows? Right. Maybe Kate Klubnick comes in week, week four against Wake Forest and, you know, lights it up and, and it's a whole different team, but, I look at the ACC. I know the Pac-12 had a, had a down week. That's kind of one of mine as well. That's kind of I think we'll get to later. But, like, 
man, the ACC just did not did not look good. And they're scheduling all of these G5 games on the road and they're losing them. And I mean, Boston College, like this is Jeff Hathley's third year. You you have Phil Dracovic back, a ton of, you know, energy. And you lose to Rutgers at home without it. I mean, Rutgers on the first drive of the game played three quarterbacks. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Your thoughts oh, on that? Oh, man. No. <laughs> it just I'm loves, fired up about the ACC, man. Love the emotion. Well, that was the league when we did our when we did our conference preview. We we said like this could be a really fun league this year, just with the quarter, especially led by the quarterback play. When you looked at you know top to bottom, going all the way from you know Devin Leary at NC State down to Jordan Travis at at Florida State. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks in this league, and you know Devin Leary was okay against. Uh, against East Carolina, but that offense didn't score a point the entire second half. They got stuffed twice at the goal line uh, to try to put away that game. Not a great look. Um, even Pitt struggled, I thought, surprisingly against West Virginia. I know they're wrinkling in a uh, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, things like that. That was also a really, really close game. I mean, it, but what you touched on is, is Clemson because Clemson, the ACC has been down for a while. And Clemson has really been the only kind of um, kind of high mark um, for them. If they're down and you don't have that surefire national title contender, it just brings down the rest of the league because you're the now you're you're the Pac-12. Yeah, you're basically the Pac-12 on the uh, on the Atlantic coast. Um, so. Yeah, it was not a banner first week for them. Look, it's the first week of the season. They can still turn it around. I remember way back in 2014, Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech, I think, the first week of the season. People said, the Big Ten's awful. It's down. It's bad. And then Ohio State went on to win the national title. Not saying that's going to happen for Clemson, but it can be. It can just be you know, early stuff happening in week one. So we'll continue to help. But, yeah, not a banner week for them. Um so I'm going to go kind of segueing into that. You mentioned it, the Pac-12. Not maybe the greatest week, but one of the top teams did look good. USC did. And after the results to Utah and Oregon, are you now confirming that USC is now the clear favorite for the Pac-12? I want to see him this weekend at Stanford. It's mm-hmm. one of the bigger games of the weekend. Um I don't know what to think about Utah. I mean, we're basically one cam rising better throw away from like, maybe Utah yes. wins that game and it's a whole different narrative. Like I like the fact that Utah didn't drop a ton in the, in the AP top 25, but you're right. Utah. I mean, USC looked really good. I mean, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, like they scored 66 points, I think against rice. I think it's the most points since like the Pete Carroll era or most points in an opener since the Pete Carroll era. Like, they fired on all cylinders. And if Lincoln Riley can bring that team together and the transfers mesh, like that's scary. Um, I think the middle class of the PAC 12 actually looked pretty good. Oregon state got a big win against Boise. Mm-hmm. Arizona goes on the road, beat San Diego state. I thought Arizona state looked probably better than I thought they would. I'll beat against an FCS team. Um, but you're right. The top is more muddled than ever. And I, I think you're going to move Oregon down a little bit. You might move Utah down a little bit, and you're going to move USC up. And it wouldn't surprise me if if USC um, finishes the year atop the Pac-12. Yeah. 
No, and kind of mentioned your your thing. I still think Utah, I would probably still take Utah right now. Like you mentioned, that, that was a game that really anybody could win. I texted you after that, and I was like, I don't think Utah really could have done anything else. Yes, maybe they could have contained Anthony Richardson a little bit. Um, but I think Utah did everything they, they needed to. They were aggressive in the red zone. I think they got stuff, what, twice um, on the goal line, uh, two goal line stands that Florida had against them. And even at the end, they were still playing aggressive. They could have played to kick a field goal there to send it to overtime, and they were still playing to try to win it. So I think if you're if you're Utah, like you mentioned, they didn't drop them that much in the in the AP top twenty five. I still think they're really really good. Tavion Thomas was was awesome in that game, as was Cam Rising. Um, I think that's going to translate well for them. Oregon, though, I think still was the biggest shock. I think they fell <laughs> a couple pegs down. Um, but you mentioned too, kind of the middle of the pack, Washington, I thought even looked really good against Kent state and looked at least much improved offensively, uh, than they did a year ago. So like I said, wait and see, but yeah, I think like you mentioned, I think maybe that USC might be closer than what we all, uh, anticipated. All right. I'm gonna take us to big 10 country for mine. Uh, my next overreaction is Penn state is nowhere near Ohio state and Michigan. Uh, I watched a lot of Penn State Purdue. I saw Sean Clifford just be the same quarterback he's been for the last twelve years at Penn State. Um, they like kind of the same thing with Brian Kelly. You don't pay your coach ten million dollars to beat Purdue by four in the last minute of the game. You just don't. You 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 pay your coach ten million dollars because you think you can compete for national championships. And over the last two years, Penn State's been nowhere near the top of the Big Ten. Forget Ohio State, Michigan. You haven't been close to Wisconsin. You haven't been close to Michigan State either. So, like, I didn't see a lot of explosiveness from this offense. They had a hard time running the football. Sean Clifford made a terrible throw. They got returned for a touchdown. Now, credit to them. They had a really good two-minute drive, and they 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 beat Purdue. And, you know, Purdue could win seven or eight games. Like, I think it's a pretty good team. Like, Aiden O'Connell looks really good. Um, they have some some still have some good receivers despite losing David Bell. Um. But, you know, that I don't think should have been as close as it was on Thursday night. And listen, it's a tough environment. First game of the season. Purdue I, looked like a sellout. Um, but I did not see a team that I think could compete with the upper echelon of Ohio State and Michigan. And I think they are closer to the Michigan State Maryland tier in that division. I mean, we saw Michigan just throttle Colorado State. They're, like Michigan's a 51-point favorite this weekend against Hawaii. You know, and Michigan maybe found something in JJ McCarthy. I, I I'm assuming he will be the starting quarterback moving moving forward. So my overreaction yeah. is Penn State is 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 not in that tier at all. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's necessarily a, an overreaction. Even though I was a little bit higher, I was relatively pretty high on Penn State. I think I picked him to finish second in this division last year. And um, no, I think you kind of hit some some good points. Like, to me, like, they gave up well over 400 yards against Purdue. What are you going to do when you are playing Ohio State and Michigan, who I think are going to have better offenses? Even Michigan State might have a better offense than Purdue. Um, and you mentioned it, too. And this has been an issue for them the last handful of years, uh, really since they lost to Quan Barkley, is they just cannot run the football. And I don't know if it's a running back issue, if it's the offensive line, but it makes them so one – one dimensional. And I think Sean Clifford's a fine quarterback, but he's not that guy that 
if you cannot run the ball at all against like elite teams, that he can just put the team on. He's not a Trace McSorley, um, you know, type of guy. And like you mentioned, like the Sean Clifford's game was basically his uh, good microcosm of his career. Comes out exactly. hot, yep. can't do anything for a couple quarters, just makes a boneheaded throw, but then comes out and has, like you mentioned, a really good two-minute drive to clinch the game. And you're like, okay, he's still a good quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest story. They averaged 3.1 yards per carry against uh, a Purdue defense that I think we all thought was going to take a step back this year when they lost George Karloftis, a first-round pick. A team that's not usually, or a team that's usually not known for their defensive acumen. So we'll see. I think they got Auburn, I believe, in a couple weeks. Um, I think that'll be an interesting game. I think similar situation, crazy environment um, against a team that's probably looking to prove something. But you know, I don't necessarily think that's an overreaction. We're, but the issue is, we're really not going to get to tell what Michigan is like. I think till like week seven or eight because their schedule is so soft right now. Um, but sticking in the big 10, we kind of touched on this. Um, Iowa will have the worst offense in FBS this year. (laughs) Certainly had the worst offense in week one, man. That was, that was a game. It was in the noon slate. I was kind of checking in on. And at at one point I was going back and forth between North Carolina and app state and, and Iowa, South Dakota state and just the, the dichotomy of, of the style of football being played is, is just insane. Um, yeah, doesn't look anything competent. It just, it just doesn't. You, you were playing an FCS team. I get it. If, if you're playing Michigan State week one or you're playing even like, you know, you're playing Northwestern or Illinois, like someone in, that's close to you, you're playing South Dakota State. I mean, that is a showcase game. You score seven points, and it's not even a surprise. Was anyone shocked that Iowa scored seven points? No. no. So I, I, uh, I mean, worse than FPS would be a stretch, but right now it's not trending anywhere near up. That's for sure. I think they were just outside of the top 100 last year. I think they were like 105th or 106th in total offense. Um, and I, it's just, it's awful. I mean, it's one thing. Look, Iowa never been known for having a good pass game, but at least their offense historically, they can usually run the football. They can take care of the clock. They average 1.6 yards per carry against an FCS front. And it just annoys me because as someone, I'm not an Iowa fan. They're like my second least favorite team. But it it just annoys me because I can feel for their fans because their defense is excellent. And they always have great special teams. It just seems like they just want to forget that that you have to play another side of the ball and are completely content with it. Like hearing Kurt Ferentz's words at the end of this game, he's just like, well, we just got to get better and we'll move on. It's just one game. Is it his son, the OC? Yes. And quarterback. He and got promoted to quarterback coach this year. Yikes. And your quarterback, Spencer Petras, who was not good last year, was also not good in this game either. Um, I don't see any hope. I... They got Iowa State this weekend. We'll see. It's Iowa. We've seen this before, and they still find a way to win eight or nine games. So this, I think this is is an overreaction, but man, oh, man. I, I feel for Iowa fans right now, which doesn't happen very often, but I feel for them. Yeah, I don't really know why you're feeling for them. That's a, it's a, it was a great weekend for Wisconsin, honestly. Um, yeah. 
I feel my, for uh, them in the way that I think Iowa should be a much better. I think they're much. They have talent on offense. They just refuse to use it. And that's yeah. frustrating. All right, uh, I got a couple more. Um, Anthony Richardson is going to factor into the Heisman race all season. Um, Anthony Richardson had some wow plays against Florida at a forty-five or against Utah for Florida at a forty-five-yard touchdown run. The crazy two-point conversion where he spun and juked two, you know, Utah defenders and found the uh, the receiver open in the end zone. I looked at the Heisman race, and it's it's seems like it's always kind of conjumbled this early. C.J. Stroud didn't really do anything to kind of take it in a big moment week one against Notre Dame. Bryce Young looked good, but it's hard to repeat. I mean, it, it like literally is like what two guys ever have done it, right? Um, so I think Anthony Richardson, he gets Kentucky this week. You're a couple more big performances away from thrusting yourself into that race. And I just don't know if... I mean, listen. If if Bijan Robinson runs for 200 yards this week against Alabama, that it's so, it's so hard for a non-quarterback to win it. And Bryce Young won it last year. If it's not going to be C.J. Stroud, like I'm having a hard time off the top of my head thinking who are the Heisman contenders this year. Now, this is why it's an overreaction. It's very early. Who knows? It's one week. But I would argue Utah is one of the best defenses. You know, not Georgia, right? Take Georgia out of the equation, but like. Utah would probably have the second best defense in the SEC East, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentucky, Tennessee and South Carolina aren't going to stop you. Vandy's not going to stop you. Like, you have a chance to put up some big, big performances. You're in the SEC. And I kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, related to when Lamar Jackson won the Heisman, right? His team wasn't in the Heisman race or wasn't in the national championship race, but it was a top 15, top 20 team. He put up good numbers and he got the right attention. And I think Anthony Richardson, that model could work for him. And I think he'll be in the Heisman race the rest of the season. Yeah. And another similar comp, I think, too, is like RG3 with Baylor. Like they weren't national, not not a national title contender, but still had um, an extremely great, the best year in that program's history to that point. No, I don't necessarily think it's an overreaction because just the way the voters vote. Um, the only reason Bryce Young is not the favorite because he won it last year is because it's only happened once because you pretty much have to have a, ha- a head and shoulders above better year than you did before, which is really hard to replicate, especially when you're beating teams by 50 points every game and you're not even playing in the second half. Um, where I-, I do think Anthony Richardson does fit that mold. Like you mentioned, it's a he, they have the storyline of a team that no one really expected a lot out of. He's kind of from nowhere, so it's a new, fresh face um, that not a lot of the country is familiar with. And look, and they're going to have games to be able to prove it, too. You mentioned, um, you know, to me, it's like, it's where's the, the Manziel game against Alabama? And you mentioned they're, he's going to be able to put up points. He has a big game this week against Kentucky, yeah, um, which is going to be a legit defense that they're facing again. But you mentioned Tennessee. But then they have... Uh, in uh, end of October and then first week of November, they have at Georgia and at AM. So you have big primetime games that you can make it. So I don't think it's in our reaction. I'd be interested to see what his odds jumped up from uh, preseason to week one. Because um, I bet they jumped up substantially. I was also going to make a joke too that I wonder um, if you could uh, buy low on, uh, on Spencer Petras being the, the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, <laughs> You could probably buy very low. So right now on FanDuel, Anthony Richardson is plus 1,800. He's fourth 
in the Heisman. I'm guessing that is mm. a huge jump. Bryce yes. Young plus 300, CJ Stroud plus 300. They're tied for first. Caleb Williams plus 600. And then you have a drop off Richardson and then Setson Bennett plus 2000. Ooh. That's Setson Bennett's also a kind of a dark horse because Georgia dark. could go 13 and 0. And Bennett looks really, really good. The, the narrative is already there. The former walk on that oh, even like after it. he won a national title, people still no, didn't. No respect. Good. Yeah. And then he just has like a Joe Burrow like season and they win the national title again. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, <laughs> going on that. Uh, my next reaction, so switching gears to the ACC, is the Scott Satterfield era already done. This is this was a shocker. This was maybe my biggest shock of the weekend. Me and you were not high in Syracuse at all. I think me and you both bet uh, Syracuse. We thought the line was extremely low. And there was so much positive momentum coming in for Louisville at the beginning of the season. A lot of people are high on them. Lee Cunningham, we talked about. Heisman Dark Horses, he was certainly in my category for that. And all they do is, and this has been Satterfield since he's been there, when they've had expectations, they have just fallen directly on their face. And that was no different. They looked awful on Sunday against Syracuse. Yeah, this was actually one of mine as well. Um, I thought the same thing. I didn't have eyes on that game because it was during Florida, Georgia, or, uh, Florida, Utah, and Ohio State, Notre Dame. But I saw on the bottom line, it was 24-7. And I was I had a, I had a double take. I was like, what? Um, the Utah defense was not ready for Sean Tucker and the Syracuse rushing attack. And, I mean, you, like all, everything you said, Malik Cunningham, four-year starting quarterback, the recruiting class for 2023 had, has been really good, a lot of momentum. I bet they're over five and a half. Like, I thought that was an easy lock. Yeah. And you lose – on the road to Syracuse by 24 points in week one. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal for Scott Satterfield, who has been on, you know, less than solid footing since he went and interviewed for the South Carolina job two years ago and people wanted to run him out of town. The, uh, the, the Jeff Brom noise will be, will be very, um, very loud. If Purdue finishes like six and six, seven and five, and, and maybe Jeff Brom wants a fresh start at his alma mater where he has got a lot of ties. Um, it will be interesting. Yeah, that was one of mine as well. That is one of the weirdest, like, power five game, like, results of, of, of the weekend. Is Syracuse just housing Louisville? Yeah, and, and who knows? Syracuse could be improved. They looked really good, to give them credit. Garrett Trader looked good. I know they brought in a new offensive coordinator, Robert and I, from, from Virginia to kind of revamp that. Oh, we talked about dark horse, dark horse contenders. Sean Tucker was really good last year, but I still don't think a lot of people know about him. Um, he was fantastic in that game. And if they have they have another Dino Babers, what was that, back in 2018 where they won 10 games, who knows there. But, yeah, Louisville. And all they have next, they, have, they play a Friday night, a short week Friday night game this week against UCF. And then next week they got Florida – and the week after they have Florida State at home. So, if they're – I don't know. If they lose both those games, I'm just – 0-3, do you just decide to, to cut the tires on it already? They're a five-and-a-half-point dog at UCF. Five-and-a-half-point dog at yeah. UCF. That's that's not ideal for you. Um, future, you know, Power 5 team, though. You know, UCF, yeah. that going for you. All right. Uh, I got one more. Uh, the Satterfield one would have been two for me, but I got one more. Um, is Arkansas the third-best team in the SEC? I mean, you have 
Florida might be in that discussion. Kentucky, we didn't learn a ton about week one. They beat Miami of Ohio 37-13. Ole Miss looked kind of underwhelming, 28-10 win over uh, over Troy. Um, it's not Vanderbilt, unfortunately. I look at Arkansas. I was impressed with that team against Cincinnati. They 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 beat Cincinnati 31-24. I thought Cincinnati, I was also very impressed with Cincinnati. Losing yeah. all that they did to compete and fight on the road in a tough environment. I thought Arkansas probably shouldn't have won by more than seven points. Um, but that was a nice gritty win against a team that won, you know, what, 12 games last year? Mm-hmm. Right? A really good program. Uh, KJ Jefferson was really, really good. Uh, I thought Arkansas's defense looked looked solid. Dwight McLaughlin had an interception, I think, on the first drive of the game for the Razorbacks. Um, the team that I think this directly impacts the most, though, is AM, because I was not impressed with AM. We have a fr- uh, our our good friend Blaine is a A and M alum, and he was already just done with with Haynes game. I mean, middle of the first half, he's done with he's done with Haynes game. But A and M struggled. They struggled to move the ball. They struggled with explosive plays. And listen, Sam Houston State, to their credit, is a really good FCS team. They're probably mm-hmm. a top fifteen, top ten FCS team. Um, you win thirty one nothing, and your defense is going to be good. You got a lot of five stars, especially on that defensive line. But the Jimbo Fisher college offense is is um, on display here, and it's not it's not very good. Um, you did not look good, and, and Haynes King is he takes some risks. Man, he throws into double covers, throws into you know throws into triple coverage, makes a lot of contested catches for his receivers. Um, and I think Arkansas might be the third best team in this in this conference. Yeah, I I don't necessarily know if that's. That's an overreaction. I feel like like four or five of mine, you've been like, Ryan, that's not overreaction. I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, Well, because you mentioned too, I think it's going to come down. One, they play each other. So that'll that'll probably be decided. But also better quarterback play. And right now, like you mentioned, I trust KJ Jefferson, who looked really good again against Cincinnati. Then I trust Haynes King. Now that can change. I remember last year we – talked down about Zach Calzada and then the next week he uh, went off against Alabama and beat them. But it is interesting. I mean, A&M has uh, you know, a game this week against App State who almost beat North Carolina. Um, and then they have a couple tough uh, SEC road games after that. So I don't know if it's a stretch. Um, I still want to see maybe a little bit more out of Arkansas's receiving core. I know uh, Trey Knox had a really good game for them. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, the Oklahoma transfer, had a really nice touchdown. Um, and kind of see what they can do. But I think right now, like, if you had to tell me who, obviously, who was more impressive, I'm going to pick Arkansas right now over A&M. So. All right, give me one more of your overreactions, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, move on to week two here. All right, so I'm going to the Big 12, and my my overreaction is – New coach and quarterback at OU, is it going to be even? Is there going to be any difference? Because <laughs> they looked pretty good on. Uh, yep. Yes, they were playing UTEP, but they looked uh, pretty darn good um, in that game. Uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel looked very, very comfortable in that offense. Obviously, he played under their offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby um, at UCF. They were able to run the ball. Eric Gray, the former Tennessee transfer, had over 100 yards. Um, but they just looked like it didn't. They just didn't feel like a team that was trying to figure stuff out. And like I said, they were playing UTEP, 
Um, it wasn't, it was kind of a bottom tier, uh, conference USA team, but I just thought they, they looked really, really good. They kind of handled business and I kind of even forgot they played, um, just because <laughs> it was a blowout with all the other games going on, but it was just very, very businesslike for Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll be honest. Didn't get a lot of eyes on that game. It no. it seemed very businesslike. UTEP's not a bad team. Bowl team last year, yeah. although they did get throttled by uh, North Texas North in Week Zero. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see them against Nebraska. I think that's next week. I think um, they'll go to Lincoln. That's when I'll probably get my first set of eyes on uh, on Oklahoma. But yeah, I like that staff. I like Brent Venables. I think he 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 picked and kind of choose uh, a really good job for him. Hired a good OC. They got a lot of experience there. They got a, a good running back, Eric Gray, and Gabriel. A couple touchdowns, two hundred thirty-three yards. Um, looked looked very competent. So, um, interesting couple weeks for the Big Twelve here as uh, Texas plays Alabama. Oklahoma goes on the road to Lincoln. Arizona State goes to Oklahoma State as we kind of uh, mix in some uh, some non-conference games here. Um, real quick, we didn't touch on Notre Dame Ohio State. A um, couple minutes on that. I think it's actually maybe a good result for Ohio state, even though they only scored 21 points, Jackson Smith and Jigma was kind of in and out of the lineup with an injury. If this defense can be this good in, in year one with Jim Knowles, like that's a huge, that's a huge step forward for Ohio state. So even though they didn't cover the, the 17 point spread, whatever it, it closed at, I actually came away a little bit more impressed with Ohio state defensively. And the fact that they weren't overmatched physically, like Zach Harrison had a, a nice game. Um, I think I came away a little bit more impressed with Notre Dame and a little bit more impressed with the Ohio State defense. And I think as long as you get Jackson Smith and Jigma, you know, back and, and he's healthy in time for some of your bigger games at the end of the season, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that one, especially with the Irish. If the Irish play defense like that against everybody on their schedule. We're probably talking about them as a potential playoff team at the end of the year. Um, but I agree with you because I think a question I want to pose to you is, you know, does Ohio State win a game like this last year where they kind of have to no, they, run it they, out? They lose to Oregon, don't they? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is kind of like the Oregon formula, right? Team that's going to slow the game down, be physical, punch you in the mouth. You didn't win that game last year. Last year, you probably lose like 31-24. No, and so. I think we're seeing the Jim Knowles effect. Just even watching that, that felt like they were much more aggressive on the attack, as you should be when you have the talent that Ohio State has. And I agree with you. They're going to figure it out offensively. Like you mentioned, Jackson Smith, a jigba was in and out of that game with injury, probably disrupted a lot of what they wanted to do offensively from a game plan perspective. Um, but we saw what good teams do, and they figured it out, and they dominated the second half of this football game, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but who knows, maybe certain teams look at this, maybe they get kind of a blueprint to maybe attack Ohio state in the future and um, be interested to see how Ohio state adjusts. They have two really kind of cupcake games here before they play Wisconsin um, at the end of the year. Still have no idea how the Badgers, how good they're going to be, but um, no, I, I agree. I think this was a good tail sign if you're Ohio State, just because, like we mentioned, I don't believe they win a game like this a year ago. Um, and to be a national title team, you have to be able to win games in multiple ways. So I think it was actually a good step forward for them. 
All right, let's jump into week two here. We're about 45 minutes in, uh, going on about 15 or or, uh, or 20 minutes here. Definitely a lighter slate, some pretty intriguing games. Lucas and I will break down first. I'll just give you a quick kind of glance at some of the big games and the TV schedule here for week two. Your Friday night slate, Louisville at UCF, 730 Eastern on ESPN2. Boise State at New Mexico, 6 o'clock Pacific time on CBS Sports Network. Uh, The noon slate on Saturday, obviously the game of the day, Alabama and Texas on Fox. Um, You also have South Carolina visiting Arkansas on ESPN. Wake Forest visits Vanderbilt. Sam Hartman is back for the Demon Deacons after missing week one. Uh, That is a noon game on SEC Network. You also have Duke Northwestern and Missouri-Kansas State at noon. Jumping to the 3.30 slate, uh, Tennessee visits Pittsburgh. Washington State visits Camp Randall to play Wisconsin, 3.30 on Fox. Uh, Houston plays at Texas Tech. That's a 4 o'clock Eastern game on FS1. Virginia visits Illinois, 4 o'clock on ESPNU. Jumping into the uh, the later slate, this is the 7.30 slate. Uh, Stanford uh, will host USC, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. Arizona State visits the Oklahoma State Cowboys, 7.30 on ESPN2, Georgia Southern plays Nebraska, FS1 at 7.30, Hawaii uh, goes to Michigan at 8 p.m. on the Big Ten Network, uh, Boston College at Virginia Tech, couple of uh, disappointing week one teams there, 8 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network, and then jumping to the uh, the after dark slate, Baylor visits BYU, 7.15 Pacific time on ESPN, Mississippi State at Arizona at 8 p.m. Pacific time, on FS1, Oregon State at Fresno State, 7.30 Pacific time on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Lucas, I will let you kind of have the floor here. What game do you want to start with uh, to break down here in week two? Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe the biggest one, or not the biggest one, but just the one of the first games on Friday night, I think that Louisville at UCF game, because we were just talking about Scott Satterfield just a moment ago. This is a huge, huge game for them. This was a game last year that was a ton of fun in Louisville. Louisville got an interception late to, to close it. Um, but you're going on the road against the UCF team, you know, led by Gus Malzahn, that feels like they could potentially be that top G5 team to be playing in the New Year's Six Bowl um, this year. So, and especially with Louisville coming on uh, on kind of a, a short week, um, you know the bounce house is going to be bumping, um, so I think that's an interesting game. Alabama, Texas. I think we could talk about this game at nauseum. Um, Alabama, I think right now is like a twenty-one and a half point favorite, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Does Texas show up, and do people say that they're back because they only lost by two touchdowns to uh, to Alabama? Um, and then you know you look at kind of that early slate too. You know, how many points is North Carolina going to give up uh, against on the road once again against uh, Georgia State? And then I think uh, Pitt, uh, Tennessee Pitt is another interesting game. Another tough game for Pitt. It's at home. Um, but just trying to see how those two offenses are going to kind of game plan. Does Pitt have any answers defensively for Tennessee and Hendon Hooker? Um, so I think in the early rounds, those are kind of the games I'm looking at. Yeah, I really like the noon slate. I mean, Alabama, Texas, two of the biggest brands in college football, but kind of a little bit like Georgia, Oregon, or Ohio State, 
uh, Notre Dame from week one, like we don't expect that game to be very competitive. Now, maybe Quinn Ewers comes out and is as advertised and Texas can, I think Texas can score. I mean, yeah. Texas has a, an elite receiver and elite running back and a, and a seemingly elite quarterback right now. Can they hold Alabama to, you know, under 40 points? Like, I don't, I don't know. Alabama's offense is, is just so, so good. But look at the other games in that noon slate. I mean, South Carolina, Arkansas, I think is interesting. Miami might get kind of their first somewhat test of the season. They play Southern Miss. Wake Forest at Vanderbilt. Like, Vanderbilt's 2-0. They, they've looked decent the first two games. And um, Wake gets Sam Hartman back. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested, like, if Wake looks good, that might put them at the, you know, second, third best team in the ACC Atlantic, right? Maybe we thought they might have a down year. Missouri and Kansas state, I think is, is intriguing to see year three with Eli Drinkowitz and, and, you know, what does Kansas state look like with Chris Kleiman, Duke Northwestern? Um, we, you know, Duke won, by the way, Duke won 30 to zero. I saw again, that. They looked impressive against Temple. Temple. Really Temple's impressive. Also, I think terrible, but yeah. <laughs> that's what good um, teams and, that team. You know, we haven't seen Northwestern since the big win week zero against Nebraska. So that's interesting as well. But yeah, you know, Tennessee-Pittsburgh, I, I think, is a game like Pittsburgh beat them on the road last year. It was a really fun game, kind of the, the breakout game for this Tennessee offense. Like, hey, Tennessee might be might be pretty feisty. And now I think you have to turn that into a win, right? We talked about Pitt a little bit. Didn't look super impressive against West Virginia. Gave up 31 points. I thought West Virginia moved the ball a little bit better than I expected them to. Uh, but Kadon Slovis looked, looks pretty solid in, in that game. Um, and Tennessee was just a machine week one against ball state. I mean, that, 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 that thing was over very, very quickly. And that, that offense looks explosive. Uh, they look like they can hit the big play. They can sustain drives, uh, and everything. And then, you know, one other game, I think looking at the kind of evening afternoon slate, I think USC and Stanford, I mean, we talked about USC earlier in the show, like this is a big statement. If, if USC goes in there and blows out Stanford, you're going to see the, the, the Lincoln Riley USC hype train, just leave the station. And it's, it's, it's all aboard Stanford. You know, we talked about in our Pac-12 preview. We're both not very high on them. The schedule is brutal starting this week. Um, you know, Stanford beat Oregon last year. Uh, and do they have another kind of upset? Is this, could this be a game where their season kind of turns around? Um, as well. So that's, I think, another kind of intriguing one. Two programs seemingly going in the vastly opposite direction. <laughs> um, and we'll see kind of if David Shaw has one more big win on him and maybe we have to halt the Lincoln Rally hype train or if um, or if it's all, uh, you know, no, all gas, no brakes, baby. <laughs> Anything else kind of step out? What else you want to touch on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually think that that game could be a pretty high scoring game between USC and Stanford. I do like some of the pieces on Stanford's offense uh, uh, with uh, with Tanner McGee and I believe they have uh, is it is it Brian Trainum their like leading receiver from last year? I think so. Um, who got hurt? He's back, so I think they might be able to put out some points because I'm I'm not 100 percent sold on on USC's defense, um, especially with their only sample size being Rice. The complete opposite of that game, though, I give you Iowa State at Iowa. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, this one, one, I think it's intriguing one. Does Iowa bounce back? Do they show any improvement offensively than what they did? 
Um, and Iowa State, I think, is kind of a great unknown. They lost a lot of production from last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think Matt Campbell's done a really good job developing talent there. Um, and this is going to be really their first uh, test. Um, going up a pretty good Iowa t- or a pretty good Iowa defense. Um, and also, you know, Iowa State, I don't think Matt Campbell has ever beaten Iowa. They've won, I think, five or six straight in this series. So I think that'll be um, kind of a nice contrast. And then kind of going into, I think, an intriguing game. Might not get a lot of eyeballs. One, because it's on ESPN+. Plus, But it's also Kansas at West Virginia. How does West Virginia respond after losing a tough game uh, where they were basically, what, one finger away from tying and going to overtime against Pitt in the backyard brawl? Um, in Kansas, are they going to be kind of that surprise upstart team that kind of maybe doesn't make a bowl game, but it's just really, really tough. And then I think beginning the, the night slate, uh, Kentucky at Florida, in my opinion, I think whoever wins this is the second best team in the SEC East. Um, maybe Tennessee sneaks up there, but I think, you know, Kentucky has just been kind of the standard of just extremely solid over the last few years. And does Florida... Can they replicate what they did last week against Utah? Can Anthony Richardson have another kind of Heisman-like game? Um, that one also intrigues me to, to start off the night slate um, as well. I thought it was a little ridiculous that Florida jumped up to 12 in the rankings. I mean, listen, if if they thumped, here, if they thumped Utah like 35 to 13, okay. They were a couple plays away from losing that game and remaining yeah. unranked. Like, the joke was like, well, got to give Georgia another quality win. So let's put Florida up there. Like, now what listen. If, they, what if Florida lost and then yet they still ranked them like 24th or 25th? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would not be surprising. Um, all right. I'll wrap this up with the uh, a shout out to the 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 nighttime slate. 715 Pacific time. Baylor at BYU, I think, is really interesting. Baylor, I thought, looked looked pretty good in week one. They blew out an FCS team. Oregon State with a 17-point win over Boise. They go at Fresno State. And then Mississippi State and Arizona. Mississippi State will go at LSU next week. Arizona also hosts a power, North Dakota State. Um, the Wildcats looked really good. They, I mean, Jane DeLara looked really good throwing the ball. Jacob Crowning under over 150 receiving yards. Their offense looks pretty dang good. Uh, they thumped a pretty good San Diego State team. Like, they were in control of that game. It was a hot game, afternoon uh, start in San Diego was like in like the mid nineties. Um, I will be interested to see how Arizona handles Mississippi state. And if they can k- contend, it's a team. I think we both were kind of high on, you know, Will Rogers, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I think that will be uh, an intriguing one. So, you know, listen, week two might not have the high profile matchups, but there are a lot of intriguing power five on power five matchups. I think it'll be a fun day. I agree. I think this is one of the better slates that we might have um, for the late night games. I would, I'll probably try to be watching all three of those games past nine fifteen. Um, Cause you mentioned with, yeah, with Arizona and Mississippi state, most people do think this easily is Mike Leach's best team in Mississippi state. They return a ton on both sides of the ball. Um, interested to see just how they get. I mean, that's never an easy thing for a team to go out West and play these late night games. It's going to have a 10 o'clock local kick in in Mississippi. So you're going to be up till about 1am watching it. Um, But no, I am intrigued with a a lot of these games. 
Um, also, I was going to say, Ryan, if you want to drive up to Tucson, tickets as low as $7 right now. Oh, for, uh, goodness. For Arizona I can't think of a better way to spend a Saturday evening than sweating in 102 degrees in uh, Arizona Stadium. Goodness <laughs> Uh, all right, let's we'll uh, we'll wrap up the pod as we do every weekend season with our weekly picks and and rough week for Ryan, rough week for Ryan. Let's just get out of the way here. Ryan zero and three after a two zero and one week zero. I had LSU minus three against Florida State. I had Louisville minus four and a half at Syracuse. Never even competitive, and then Oregon plus seventeen against Georgia. Um, tough one for me, um, Lucas. Conversely, three and zero. Clemson minus twenty one against Georgia Tech didn't look great, but hit. Illinois plus five at Indiana. Uh, I believe even if you would have taken them at like plus three, still would have probably been a hit or at least a push. They lose at Indiana by three and just a, a brutally contested game. I mean, Illinois just gave that game away. This gave it away. Anyway, TCU minus ten and a half at Colorado also a hit. That game kind of as well looked a little funky week uh in the first half and then mm-hmm. tcu just ran him out the building in the second half so uh on the season lucas five and one ryan two three and one uh as a group we are seven four and one lucas let's start with our upsets this week and i will uh, i will cede the floor to the three and oh lucas roadie coming off of a strong week one your upset of the week sir i can't remember if we had uh if we had a rule for how many points you have to be um, an underdog in order to declare it an upset. Cause I'm I don't hurt. think we do. Okay. Um, but I'm actually going to take Boston college plus two and a half at Virginia tech. Almost decided to take this one as a money line. Um, I don't know if either one of these two teams are very good, but at least Boston college lost to a power five team <laughs> though. Despite like you mentioned, uh, lower tiered power five team without their starting quarterback and blew a nine point lead uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, but Virginia tech to me, like Grant Wells through what was it like two or three interceptions in that game against old dominion, old dominion didn't really do anything offensively and Virginia tech could not just take advantage. I've been down on Virginia tech this year. I think this is a complete rebuild year for them. Um, so I think Boston college bounces back plus two and a half, um, in Blacksburg this weekend. You know, when you asked me, is there a, a point total for our upsets? I said no, um, because I took a three and a half point dog this week. I'm taking Iowa State plus three and a half at Iowa. Um, and it's I, I don't necessarily I'm not super confident that Iowa State wins the game outright, but a little bit like the backyard brawl. I just I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I it could be like a 24, 21. It could be a you know, 17, 16, it could be a 13 to 11 or 13 to 10. Like I think Iowa might, I think it, it could go both ways, but I think it's within three points. So the fact that I get three and a hook, um, I will take that. Took a 17 point dog last week. It didn't matter. So I don't think it matters for me anyway. So my upset of the week, I'm taking Iowa state plus three and a half at Iowa. Uh, my pick of the week, I'm going to take Auburn minus 22 and a half against San Jose state. Um, mm. Auburn, I thought looked really good against Mercer, uh, Robbie Ashford, Tank Bigsby. I think, um, they, uh, looked very competent. San Jose state beat Portland state by four in week one. And I think Brian Harson is not the kind of coach that can put his foot off the gas. 
I think he needs as many big time wins as he can get. Like if I don't think it's like, Hey, we're up by 21. Let's take the starters out kind of a thing. So, um, and I think, I think Auburn will continue to try to work on some things. They get Penn state at home next week. And I just think San Jose State's not going to be very good this year. So I'm taking Auburn minus 22 and a half. I'm laying the points. My first real big favorite of the, uh, of, of, of the year, but I feel, uh, I feel pretty good. Auburn minus 22 and a half against San Jose State. Nice. Um, so my next pick, so I'm actually going with, going to tag team you with your upset, but I'm not taking Iowa State. I am taking, and this line has dropped. I think it was at 41 and a half. Oh, no. Under. It's now at 40 on DraftKings, 39 and a half on FanDuel. Uh, but I'm going to take the under in the Iowa State, Iowa game. Just off of principle. I have to. Iowa looked terrible on offense. I think it's going to be low scoring. Last year when they played, I think Iowa forced like four or five turnovers. And I think still only scored like 30 points uh, <laughs> in this game. So I think it's going to be low scoring. Like I said, totally uh, revamped offense for Iowa State. So I'm going to take the under 40 in Iowa State. Uh, man. Oh, man. I thought about it. We also were texting earlier about, does anyone want to lay the points with Michigan? 51 against Hawaii. Uh, I took All right. Them. My uh, my lock of the week, I'm going to take USC minus nine at Stanford. This line's actually closing at seven and a half now, but I bet it. I think I bet it on Monday, Monday afternoon at nine. And uh, it is seven and a half now. Um, I think USC looked really good. And again, I think Lincoln Riley's trying to make statements. Um. So I'm going to take, I, I liked it anywhere near 10 points. So I feel okay about getting nine. My lock of the week, USC minus nine at Stanford. That was my lock of the week as well. So let's do it. For all the points you just mentioned, <laughs> even though I can't believe when we saw it was less than 10, I think we thought we were getting a gift. We jumped on it. And we jumped, we on, jumped it, on it and it's now seven and a half right now. So nothing Not really worked in our favor, but Hey, it could be a reversal. Nothing worked in your favor last week. Or we thought things were working in your favor last week, and it didn't turn out that way. So could be a complete reversal. But, yeah, I'm also, for my lock, taking USC minus 9.5 at Stanford. I just think they're a better team. Like, I think Stanford might score 30 points, but I think USC might score, like, 50. Yeah. I, I don't want to touch the total in this game. I think USC wins by at least 10, most likely by, like, between, I think, 14 and 21 would be my guess um, for how USC does this in this game. And if they don't, well, we probably don't, don't think Lincoln, I would probably um, drop USC down a little bit as far as how we view them. Um, all right, man, any final thoughts for you before we wrap up tonight? Uh, no, uh, hopefully week two is just as fun as week one uh, was in, in entertainment and of stories. And I can't wait to see some of our overreactions literally by week two be completely flipped over their head. So <laughs> Anthony Richardson throws for like 21 passing yards. <laughs> Florida loses 35, nothing. Oh, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's Billy Napier, the guy, will he survive? The the See, in the sec, it literally is lose a game. They'll fire you. I mean, it is right. the, remember the Titans. Like if you lose a game and you look bad, you are on the hot seat and people are, are really pissed off. It's remarkable. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. You can follow uh, the podcast at Running for Roses. You can follow me at Ryan Baffo on Twitter. Lucas, your Twitter account is? At Lucas underscore Rody. 
uh, with an, which is R-O-H-C-E, just to clarify, and then the number 58. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and stay frosty.